Welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast with me, Tony Jeffries. On this episode, I'm joined by Scott McGee. Scott McGee is a law enforcement officer, works for the SWAT team, uh, as well as the police, and we talk about all sorts. I've got a whole new respect for the police after this. We talk about the gun laws. We talk about... Uh, uh, perception, social media stuff. Yeah, we talk about... The thing that I was very interested in, where we see, we all see the videos where people will get pulled over by a, a policeman and they'll get the camera out straight away and they'll put it in the face. We talk about that. If you listen to this from the UK, obviously you all know about the police in America. And I ask the questions that I guarantee that you're thinking on this. It's really good. So here it is. Hope you enjoy the Boxing Life podcast with me, Tony Jeffries and Scott McGee. This is probably one of the coolest locations I've ever done a podcast. It's the best, isn't it? And you know what's crazy about this? You saw me walk over here a second ago? Yeah. So we're in uh, Santa Monica, the, uh, the Palisades Bluffs. I think is what they're called in the yeah, yeah in, in public. But I grew up right here. Oh, you did? I just walked over this tree over here when I was in elementary school. I climbed up it and, and, and carved it in the tree like <laughs> like like Scott loves Julie or something like that. You grew up here. See, the thing about living in Elia now, it's it's very rare you pe- meet people who actually grew up here and live here because everyone like me, uh, travelers, gypsies, yeah. will come and will, will move here. You know, uh, but you live here. You were brought up here. Yeah, I grew up one. So that street right there, three buildings up. So you've got money? No. Your family had money? No, no, no. no. This so is a rich neighborhood. It is, it is. But uh, my father moved into that building in 1964. And wow. it was a two-bedroom apartment. And actually, my mom still lives there. And we had rent control. Right. I think my mom's paying like six or 800 bucks a month to, wow. to live there. And right, the, the units right next to her are going for like 5000 a month. Yeah, it's but, ridiculous. Uh, no, no money because I didn't. I mean, I, had, I shared a room with my sister growing yeah. up, my, like my whole life. I didn't have my own bedroom until I was twenty-two. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, bit weird. You were in, you were in a shared room with your sister when you were nineteen year old. I was in college then. Oh, all right. But yeah, all it right. was weird. So what we did, we had a uh, you know those office dividers, like, yeah, in cubicles. We had one of those. Eventually, like when it came to a certain age, we put up one of those. Yeah. It was like a so we had I had my side. So I had like a little twin bed. I had uh, some milk crates and, and some pieces of wood for shelves. Wow. So you never... And I loved it. Because now if you, if you see a family in, in this neighborhood, it's like, wow, they must have money because uh, it's expensive to live here. It, yes, but there is, there is a, uh, a large generation here of old money, as they say. Right. Yeah. I've got a client that lives in a building just down here somewhere, and it's the best... The best building I've ever been in. It's like living in a hotel. You've got Valley Park and you pull up the park you call for you. Yep. You walk in, it's like a hotel. Uh, you, you've got views of all the ocean and the, the sunset. Then you've got a swim pool on the roof. There's a restaurant in there. There's free coffee and tea in there. And, uh, and it's beautiful and it's about 20 grand a month. 20 grand a month rent to, to live there. And there's, but there's no backyards. And you got to ride an elevator. Exactly. But still, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. But... Yeah, I would love to have a backyard. I went to your house. I went to Scott's house. So anyway, before we get into that, the question that I want to ask you for people who don't know who you are, um, if someone asks you what you do for a living, what do you tell them? Uh, so I have a bunch of different answers to that. Sometimes, depending if I want to mess with somebody, I'll say like, uh, uh, I'm in waste management or, or behavior <laughs> modification. Right. Which is kind of like true. Or, uh, you know, 
I'm not shy about it. Usually I'll just say like, I'm in law enforcement. Yeah. But I found like the, 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 the nicest way to say it is I'm a policeman. A policeman. Because when, that's what like when, when little kids, you know, yeah. they always refer to, oh, a policeman. I want, what do you want to agree when you grow up? I want to be a fireman or a policeman. Yeah. So it kind of puts like a, a less, uh, less of a strong connotation of like, oh man, you, you give people tickets and ruin their days. Right. You yeah. Know? But Which I would say, because you're on the SWAT team as well, I would say I'm, a, I'm on the SWAT team. Because that to me, that's cool as fuck. Yeah. The policeman's like, uh, but SWAT, on the SWAT team, that's like, different level you know it's it's um first of all like i'm very lucky in my career i get i get to work for a great department i have an i I absolutely love my job for a lot of different reasons um and to be clear the swat part is is a collateral duty it's we'll say full-time part-time but it's also not what like you see in the movies right there's actually a whole lot of standing around and waiting. Right, yeah. And wearing a bunch of gear. But the other thing that's cool is that, at, and lately, you know, at least politically, you've seen like um, uh, uh, people questioning some of the equipment that law enforcement has, like, oh, armored vehicles, or oh my gosh, they're wearing helmets and big vests. And, but all that stuff is, is, is protection equipment so that we can go help save people yeah it's kind of I mean simply yeah. that's what it comes down to I remember the first time I, I met you we well no it wasn't the first time so the second time I met you we went for went for lunch to that baby baby blues barbecue before we did mm-hmm. your podcast which is the, the Wardcast podcast uh, and we were sitting having lunch and we would end up talking about uh, your job and, and guns and you said oh I carry a gun on me all the time and I went have you got one on you now and you said yeah, yeah. and I shit myself have you got one on you now? Yeah. You got one on you right now? Yes. You're sitting here with a gun on you. <laughs> See, and, and I said, I remember fucking, and I said, that scares me. And I remember your, your answer was, if I never had a gun on me now, that would scare me. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when, I, when I'm walking around and, I, and I, I'm in Starbucks and I see a, a cop and he's got a, a gun like right there. That shit doesn't make me feel safe. That shit scares me. Maybe it's come from the UK and it's new to us. Yeah. But that, that shit scares me. Well, it's a it's a it's an inanimate object. It's a piece of metal, right? If it's if it if it was sitting right here on my leg, it's not going to do anything. It's just there. It's it's a thought process in the human behind it, right? With the evil intention there, yeah, in the hands of a bad guy. Uh. uh a, a gun in in the hands of a of a good guy is a life saving tool, right? So the other perspective, and I totally understand it because before I really got into my career, I'd gone to the range a few times, but I didn't necessarily have the the awareness or the training or the um, the inoculation to it that I have now. Yeah, because now when I leave, it's like okay. Just like you, you know, you grab your keys, you grab your wallet, you grab your gun, you grab your cell phone, and you're out. It's like a normal piece of equipment. Right. It's not something strange and foreign. I bet if we spent, if I spent like 20 minutes with you going over it, it you would feel a lot better I about it. I don't know. And what I was going to say, we, I went to Scott's house and did a podcast in, in, in your garage, and you were, talk, we were talking again about, about guns, and you went, oh, I've got them around the house. And then you pulled one out from the top of you, wherever it was, and you, and you showed me it, and it was loaded 
and I've and I felt very vulnerable right then. Even though you're my boy and all that, and you know, obviously I'm, I know you, you're a fucking great guy, and you're not going to do it. But at the same time, I was like, oh, oh, I, I will be dead within a second. Like it, that shit, like it's weird to me. It wasn't a sword. No, he had a big massive sword there as well and a knife and a kosh and all of the other sorts of shit. But the gun, the loaded gun was like, oh. No, I, I, and I completely understand. But here, here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand uh, a certain level of reality. And what I mean by that is people, people in, in law enforcement, our reality is like right here. And all we do, especially, especially the men and women in, in uniform, in patrol, right? In their, in their wools, uh, depending on what part of the country they're from, usually they're, they're navy blue. Um, they go out. Let me, let me actually rewind a little bit. When you get dressed for work, I'm assuming like you put on your shorts, you put on yeah. a tank top, you put on your shoes, right? And you go to work. Well, when, when a law enforcement officer gets dressed, they, they, they put on their shirt, you know, underwear, they got the socks, they put on a, a, a bulletproof vest, which it's not really proof. You hope it's proof, but it's like bullet resistant. Right. You put on a thing that hopes to protect you if you, someone tries to murder you. This is a weird concept. Yeah. Every time I put mine on, I'm always thinking, this is just weird. Yeah. I'm going to work, but I have to put this vest on. Right. Um, so that's part of the reality. And then the tools and the boots and everything. And then you go out. And then every single solitary day for every single patrol officer, all they do outside of hanging out and grabbing some coffee and donuts as usual, but <laughs> it is respond to calls for help. Yeah. And, and responding to those people that, that it might be the worst moment of their entire life. And so every single day, everyone, all these officers are going out and responding to and seeing the worst parts of human behavior. Right. The bad stuff. It's not like, oh, it's Billy's 13th birthday, call the police. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. Unless they're too loud and they're getting crazy. But... So the point, of, the point I'm making is that there's a really violent and ugly side of human nature. And we are, we are the ones that get called to all of those every single solitary yeah. minute of every single day. And we also know the violence out there because we go to it all the time. Yeah. So an example is like, like for you, a, a traffic collision might not happen that often in your world right now as, as Tony Jeffries, the civilian. But let's just say we jumped in a car and every single traffic collision, we went to it. Right, yeah. You see how that would change your reality? Yeah. So now your reality is like, wow, this happens a lot. Everyone put their phones down, pay attention. Yeah. Like, don't drink and drive, because you're going to hit, you might hit a family of four. Yeah. So the, your reality kind of changes. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the weapon system, the gun, is a tool that is most likely not going to be needed, but there's been several times that it has been used even just in the last couple of years at my agency where it stopped somebody from killing a lot of people. And another example, let's see what I can say. Uh, SMC, there was a, a school shooting at Santa Monica College yeah, know, years back. Yeah. And, and, you know, some guys completely risked their life, ran into blind. It's one of your boys over there. There he is, going to use <laughs> the bathroom. So, uh, went in blind because they couldn't see in to go stop a violent suspect that was going around shooting people with a, with a rifle. Yeah. Like, if we didn't have that ability, then he would have, he would have killed, I don't know, like 50 more people inside yeah. of a library. 
no, I, I get that, and, and then that's great. But in in England, in the UK, we we don't have guns. If you obviously you know that, and if if you get caught with a gun, you're going to go to jail because it's that it's that bad of a crime. If you've just got one, if you want to get a gun, you've got to get one on the black market, which is now going to cost you ten grand or whatever it is. In America, you can get a gun from Big Five. I was in Big Five the other yep. week, and you can get guns from there. And and to me. I would love to see America do what England done and Australia done as well and just get rid of all guns because the guy who was in, in the school shoot, shooting up with the, uh, in the SMC, he's obviously easy for him to get a gun. But if, if guns was totally illegal and totally banned completely, maybe just the policemen can have them, would you not think that would, that would be a better way to live and better for people to feel safe? See, because the, the Americans who've got guns now they see they've got them to be safe in case someone comes and burgles the house and all that. But I get that. But if, if because, because they can easily get guns like this kid did, but if it's so super hard to, to get all of the gun, it's going to be less worry for them. It's not going to happen. I get it's not going to happen, but do you think it would be better if it did happen? Uh, look, a couple of things. One, I'd rather carry a sword. I'm not really into guns myself. Right. I don't like them. <laughs> I, I think they're too easy. I think I think if you could work a remote control for a TV, you can fire a gun. I think uh, uh, you know a three year old can pick up and fire a gun. Yeah, a three year old can't pick up and yield a sword. Right. So, um, but that's not the reality of it. It's not. It's not the reality at all. And so I try not to spend a tremendous amount of time even thinking about it because it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's impossible. There's millions of them. Right. Millions and millions. And even if, even if they're illegal and nobody can buy them, then people steal them. Here's the other thing. Murder is illegal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I get it. Stop signs. You're not supposed to, yeah, I get supposed it. to roll through them. Every, everyone breaks the law. But if we can make it harder for the law to be broken, I think it's not that, It's not that easy. It's not that easy. What, to, to just I ban I mean, because people, mean, there's a couple things like... Uh, you mean it's not easy just to say, all right, ban guns? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, that's not easy at all. Yeah. There's like a exactly zero percent chance that's going to happen, but you know, I I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, you know, if you could limit fully automatic firearm sales, that'd be yeah. great. If we could disarm all the bad guys, that'd be great. Surely that would be simple to, to to stop selling the fully automatic guns. It's, it should be simple. Yeah, but you know what? You can you can change a gun just like you can like upgrade a car. You can jailbreak your phone and make it work better. Right. You can take the governor off a car and change the muffler system. You can change motors. Anything that you can, we can upgrade everything like off the market or black market yeah. or whatever. So it's not like, okay, hey, you can take a pistol, a Glock pistol, which is pretty basic, and make that into a, a fully automatic firearm. Right. Yeah. So the other thing that we're not, we're not necessarily talking about, oh, let me rewind. So, so um, having, in carrying uh, weapons is there's been several instances of off-duty law enforcement stepping up and stopping somebody. Yeah. Uh, like, like a mall. There was recently a, a shooting at a mall and an off-duty officer did what he had to do to take care of it so that guy stopped killing people. Wow. Uh, and here's the other thing. In, in our reality, we get this information and we see it and we know the possibility of it. 
if, if I was in a position where that happened and I wasn't prepared, I don't think I could live with myself. Yeah. So if like, we just, we don't like bad guys and we don't like that violence. We don't like people victimizing innocent people. Right. And so if that happens, like we want to have, be able to have the ability to stop them. Yeah. Uh, the thing at, at, at my house, you brought up, um, a buddy of mine who's in law enforcement, um, a bad guy came to his house. Really? So there is that component of reality and, and he actually got in a shooting with the guy. So, wow. you know, it's all like, it's just a purely of a pure protection and it's, everything's going to stay where it is for hopefully my entire life. Yeah. It's like wearing a seatbelt, you know, like you want to be prepared. Right. Like we, not wearing your seatbelt is easier, but like, what if? Yeah. Right? Are you going to feel yeah. bad if you get in an accident and you're not wearing your seatbelt? Right. Yeah. I don't know what you mean. But I tell you what, man, it's not, it's 100%, it's not about, it's not about me. It's, it's for, like, it's for other people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's scary shit. One thing about, about the police as well, which I'll, I'll let you know if you, if you get this, is people online now don't really see the good that the police do. All we see is in here is about the bad stuff about especially the racism and and then there was that there was that incident the, the other week where that nurse got manhandled by a, by a by a cop who wouldn't yep. draw blood she was trying to draw blood if he wanted her to draw blood from a, yeah. win, a potential witness and she said you've got no right to do it and then she didn't do it so he arrested her but he handled, handled it all wrong and that was videos online we've seen that and then the other those other cop involved with that who was talking some shit as well so both mm-hmm. of them end up getting fired as yep. of you I heard, about, I heard that last night that both got fired uh, but that's what we see. we see we see about the cops all doing the bad bad stuff all the time but we never like what you've just said there really made us think like you go to people when they're in, in they're having the worst time of their life mm-hmm. and you go in there to help them do you get much shit is the word or do you, do you get much yeah, do you get much shit off people for, for, oh, yeah. for being the cop? Oh, yeah. So, this is a big discussion. So, a couple of things. Number one, there's like a million police officers, right? You might even see an average patrol officer will have, will, on a monthly basis, will respond to like 100 to 150 radio calls. Now, you multiply that on a monthly basis and that's not even that's not including all the other contacts they're making with people throughout right. the day so you take that and you multiply that times the hundreds of thousands of contacts and the news will show one of those yeah when it's like one in two million yeah so it's like and then they put their spin on it they don't put in the entire <laughs> facts yeah so um while police officers they're just they're just people they're just people that like like they grow up playing sports and then that's their job. It's not like they're it's not like bred in a factory and don't have life experience. A lot of people I work with are like little league coaches and, and yeah. help out their schools and they're like the best people. You have to be a really good solid person to go through and see the stuff that we see. Yeah. And I can get into some of that stuff that stuff later. So you have like the career, right? Now, in law enforcement, you're expected to be uh, a 
black belt in martial arts, hand-to-hand combat, be able to spin bullets around trees, supposed to know the entire constitution, every single law, you're supposed to remain completely calm, be a stunt driver, no verbal judo, understand uh, every single solitary case law out there. Uh, Also, while um, being able to listen to everything on the radio and never getting upset and listen. So there's nothing and be a psychologist, a doctor, a parent. It's like there's all these components to it. And they're supposed to never get help, like upset. So, right. And what I mean by that is a lot of, like, imagine, like, right now I could have gone to uh, a death notification and then come right back and sit down and talk to you. Yeah. And nobody ever, nobody thinks about the weight that that officer might be carrying or where they just came from. Yeah. Or maybe there's domestic violence and somebody had to arrest mom in front of the kids. This, it's just, it's a very emotionally taxing job oh, that I've builds been. up. And when everyone joins, they're like, have the best intentions. But then we bear the weight of humanity's ugliest side throughout our career. And we're never supposed to make a mistake. And we don't have any time to decide things. Sometimes it's just, right now, make a decision, go. Yeah. And so if they're on camera, it's like, oh, my gosh. So there's such a high level of scrutiny. And, and deservedly so. It's a very important position, right? Um, but we're still humans and so we're still people we still care if you didn't care you couldn't do it but we're all grouped into one lump so somebody like across on the other side of the world who i've never met or i have no idea what their training is they might make a mistake and then i get blamed for it yeah you know it's like so take like and there's not much like not how many careers like that you know uh, doctors doctors handwriting causes 7,000 deaths a year because they wow some miscommunication would that would that stop you would you go to a doctor and call him a murderer yeah uh look at the amount of like sexual abuse from from teachers teachers and having sexual relationships with young kids young boys young girls would you st- still send your kid to school yeah uh you know look at photographers how many photographers like rape a model do they stop doing that are all photographers putting that yeah. Like same thing. If you look at if you look at trainers, how many trainers do you think sexually assault their clients? Yeah. You know, but they're all. My point being is that like there's a, there is a level of, um, and I'm kind of I use this word uh, on purpose, but there is a level of like like blue discrimination. And so I've been walking around, do 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 do, you know, um, and I'm, I'm and unfortunately I have to use myself. I don't always like to use myself as an example, but. We respond like to um, uh, missing kids all the time. Like parents, you know, kids, they're little fast, little crazy war monkeys, right? They fly yeah. around. And so I've been helping a mom find her five-year-old daughter. And she was completely upset. Wow. And I did everything I could to calm her down, let her know that, you know, I have kids. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to use my resources to help find her kid and letting her know it happens all the time. She's going to be fine. Doing everything I can to soothe. While I'm doing this and looking, there's another group over here screaming at me, calling me a racist murderer. Oh, my God. And I'm, like, sitting here, like... Fuck, you know. And so I, w- I can't let... That's... Okay, cool. Like, that's, that's, wow. their, that's, their, that's their free speech. Call me what you want. But I'm busy actually trying to do some, yeah. some good work here. Yeah. Did you find the kid? Of course, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's scary. Like, um, 
my, my wife is a, a nurse at the emergency room in, in St. John's Hospital. You might have seen her. You might probably well, I'll introduce you next time. And, uh, and the, the same, what, what, you, what you said, like, there's so much pressure on her. Like, when she's there, she, she might be doing chest compressions or, or whatever they do. She doesn't really talk, talk to me. Or, or there might be a, a 10-year-old boy just died mm -hmm. in, in front of her. And then she's got to come home and play, play with the kids. Yes. It's like ridiculous, but she gets respect for it. Where I feel like what you've seen and 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 what I what I know myself is the police officers don't get the respect that they deserve because of these arsehole police officers that's doing wrong is is tarnish, putting you yeah. under the same brush. Yeah, you know, a couple of things I want to talk about. Number one, the 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 officers that were involved in that nurse. Yeah, like. I, like my first reaction, just like everyone, I was appalled. Like, get that person out of here. Of course, there's going to be like, there's like the 0.01% of people that like snuck through and probably made some bad decisions. That particular officer, he might, I don't know all the circumstances, but I, it's my understanding he got direction from his lieutenant, his, his supervisor, via phone to force that. Right. So I don't know all the circumstances. But there is certain decision making that you have to be in control of. And regardless of what your orders are. And sometimes you have to know when not to do something. Yeah. And if, and if somebody doesn't have the ability to know when not to do something, then they shouldn't be in law enforcement. Yeah. Because you have to articulate and have a complete reason why you do something, the same reason why you don't do something. Um, and so going back, so you, you, the media and what you see is a is almost like a fantasy story. It's not a reality. It's like, what, what's going on over here when the actual reality is here? But it is true, like some of the stuff just being caught on videos, right? Yes, but you're also not seeing, one, you're not seeing the whole picture. You're not seeing the history. And you're not seeing what led to uh, the, the decision-making of that officer. Right. And all this stuff, if, and actually in the public, in the media, everyone, if they, if they really want to learn about law enforcement use of force is to look up the 1989 Supreme Court case, Graham versus Connor. That court case defines our, 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 our standard for use of force. Right. So I'm not going to get into all that, but that, that case defines it. And so that's why people are like, oh my gosh, he got away with it. Yeah. But not really, because if you understand all the circumstances, all the information that officer had at that moment, what he was feeling, what he viewed the crime was, what the threat level was, what the level of violence was, and then the decision he made at that exact moment is yeah. reasonable. Not the Monday morning quarterback looking back and taking time to decide. Like, let's just say right now, right now you're sitting here, and uh, let's, just say, let's just say I put a gun right there on your, on your foot. Somebody, like, somebody's over here with a gigantic knife. And you already know, He's called. He says, you know what? He wants to kill Machete. Yeah. And here he is walking up. He's walking with a knife coming right towards him. What would you do? You'd shoot him. Do you have, he's like right here. Let's yeah. just say he appears right here. He's walking up. He's, he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you yeah. going to do? Okay, Machete's dead. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, it's like a right now I have to make a decision based yeah. on the information that you have. Yeah. Or let's say he has a gun now. He's like, he, his fantasies, he wants to shoot Machete. Machete stole his girl. He's walking up, same thing, and he's about to, same thing. Would you shoot him? Yeah. 
Now, let's just say you find out it was a, it was a pellet gun. Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. So my point being is that decision-making is fast based on the information that person has at that exact moment. It's not everything that happens later on. Yeah. So to, to circle back to um, uh, you know, what happens on social media and everything, I see, I see it all. I look at it all. I see all the stuff. And it's like, uh, one, it makes me sad that people feel that way, but in a way it's based off of a, a false narrative. Most of the time, not all oh, the time. Yeah. Right? No, no. Again, we're talking about like a one in two million case, right. and then there's a political, a media spin to make that into a story. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've I've been accused of of everything that you can think of. Right. I was minding my own business in, my, in a black and white car. Just got my fresh cup of coffee, <laughs> which I wanted to get for hours. You know, and I finally got it. Yes. And I just wanted to go like, do, 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 my own business, yeah. enjoy the scenery. And then this car in front of me, um, it was like, you know those moments when you're driving around and you see somebody do something so bad in their car, you're like, ah, where's a police officer when you need one? Right, yeah. I'll well, see that. this happened in front of me and I just happened to be the police officer. <laughs> and so everyone around is like pointing at me. What did he do? Like, uh, he went through like a red and made some crazy like U-turn. It was a completely obnoxious, yeah. selfish, unsafe move. Um, and so everyone now, there's people standing on the sidewalk because some people he almost hit some people in the crosswalk. Some people uh, pointing at me, giving me the whole like, "What are you, you going to do? You, yeah. you, you know, the full like one of these like." Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, "All right," and put my coffee down. So I go and uh, pull the car over. And the, the windows are tinted. I don't even know if there's one person or 12 people in the car. No idea. I just know that car just did something really silly and could hurt somebody. So let me go have a chat with them. Yeah. I pull them over. Um, I walk up to the car, rolls down the window, and it happens to be a, uh, he's probably about 35 years old, male African-American guy, black guy. Looks at me and just goes, psh, psh, really? Automatically now, and then he sat there and was accusing me of racism. Wow. I pulled him over because, yeah. he, and I'm like, no, I pulled you over because you're driving like a dick. Yeah. Not, so that's kind of like, no. That's not that's not it at all. Like, does that make you feel like maybe you shouldn't be doing it, or like uh, slightly in honestly, your mind? a little bit. There's a, no, no. I, I had no idea if that was a man or a woman. Yeah, it could have been yeah. a tall, fat, redheaded Asian for all I know. Yeah. I don't know. It was the action. It's the it's the what you are actually doing. I don't care about your race. Yeah. If you were going to act like a dick and or act selfishly, that's going to threaten other people. You're going to have a discussion with the good guys. Yeah. So, there, now, my point being is that while people are flipping and scrolling and seeing all these opinions from the untrained people, um, all these calls that we go to, are, there's somebody calling for help. Yeah. All these hundreds and thousands of calls or somebody is calling for help. Yeah. Whatever it is, it could be their quality of life is messed up. Or they're really upset, or they're suicidal, or they're concerned, or the level of violence. People are still calling for help. And so we go to those and help them. And do you think they're grateful? Yeah. Yes. The guys you help yeah. them, yeah, definitely. People like, get mad about, about, you know, I don't want to say the warrior, because I think we're more guardians than warriors. But people are upset about the guardians until the, the, the bad guy is at the gate. Yeah. 
So I was driving to uh, Earth Cafe the other night with my wife. Never go out with my wife this late at night. Her parents are in town, they're watching the kids. And it's like 10.30 at night, she went, she's, she's heavily pregnant. So she's, let's just go out, go to Earth Cafe. So, uh, so we're driving down. And I get him getting pulled by a policeman behind us. I'm like, oh, shit. So there's a policeman behind us. I'm like, I've never been pulled for ages. So I pull over and straight away, I'm a little bit nervous. Obviously, even when there's a police car just driving behind you, I think everyone who's listening to this will feel the same. You get a bit nervous. Oh, no. And you start looking, you, know, you start making sure your seatbelt's on, you start making sure you, 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 you're yeah. driving the speed limit and you like just shit your pants straight away. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm like thinking, oh, no, what did I do? Did I, did I not signal? Did I not but I'll drive too fast pulls over anyway it's a it's a young a young cop comes to win the young good looking guy and he's the nicest the nicest ever super polite and all that uh, and I never had me I don't even know what the tax, tax discs in England it's a me little me date on me registration oh yeah your stickers so, on your, yeah. your license plate your registration it was it was out of date even though my registration was up to date but he just yep. told us to, to change it and he was really nice uh, you criminal <laughs> alright and I was like oh but anyway luckily I had me driving I had everything on us and he was cool he went back to the car and then he come back and I come and, I, and he was standing at the window and I started talking to him I said do you look familiar he didn't look that familiar but I just thought I want to make a conversation with him we got the boxing gym boxing burn uh, oh yeah I've done boxing before and I never had any uh, any business cards so I give him a sticker <laughs> boxing burn sticker <laughs> so I give him the sticker with boxing burn I went come and check it out come and do a, a free class and, all that. and he was really sound and I shook his hand and I, I met sounds him sounds like bribery to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and, uh, but all this was after that he cleared us yeah. so got picked in the car and then then 10 minutes later I got a text off, off Scott here uh, well, I can't remember what you said to me about the stickers and I was like ah I knew it. I knew it. So, someone, were you in the car? Were you in the car? So, so um, uh, before people get pulled over, most of the time, the the, the person pulling over will, will talk on the radio, right? And they'll say like, uh, "Hey, uh, traffic, you know, wherever," and then give out the license plate. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason is so they get information back about the car, make sure it's not stolen. Yeah. But also, here's the other morbid part: is that in case something happens, to the officer, right? They have somebody to follow up with and be like, "Hey, would you, you know, yeah." So I heard, I heard that go out, and then I heard the plate, and then I heard the, the, the DMV information come, came back and, to your name. Jeffrey's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I heard, I'm like, oh. But I was on, a, I was on uh, another call that I couldn't leave. Right. Otherwise, I would have come and <laughs> cavity search right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, um, oh, man, what was yeah, it? He, oh, so he was great. Yeah, he's a boxer. He's, he's uh, from New York. And so yeah. I'm not, now I'm picturing, it's like, he's got a New York accent. You've got this strong British accent. I'm like, man, that would be fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah, he was great. And he, he said when he pulled us up, he went, will you pull the back windows down? I mean, my, my windows are tinted on the car. So he just looked in and then he, he gave someone the thumbs up on his car. He said, two people, it's only me and my wife in the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was great. And I'm going to treat him with as much respect as possible, which I do with everyone I meet, not just policemen, but everyone I meet in life. Uh, but, he, but he was great. And I said to my wife after, this guy was amazing. But you'll get people who he pulled someone over, and I was great as well, who would be like, what? What are you pulling me over for? Oh, yeah. And they'll get the mobile phones out and they'll start recording in mm-hmm. your face. Now, that there, that... That must get on your nerves. Do you ever get that often when um, people get, pull the phones out and start recording okay, let's the talk about the phones. But I also want to talk about, because I think it's... Because we see the videos on time. No, all absolutely. The time. So, I'm a, remind me phones, next topic. Yeah. But I, I want to talk about the police car behind you. Right. So this is an interesting perspective. Um, 
Number one, I am the same way when I'm in my normal car. Yeah. I Shoot still have that initial reaction, <laughs> right? Um, especially if it's CHP. I watch them like, the, like a bee. What's CHP? Fly, uh, California Highway Patrol. Right, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a bee that's flying around us. I'll watch it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. But um, it's, a normal, it's a normal reaction, okay? Uh, and, if you're, and if you're respectful and not doing anything wrong, then like, you don't really have anything to worry about. Also, majority of the time, that police officer behind you isn't even paying attention to you. Yeah, yeah. Might be going somewhere else. Might be trying to go to the bathroom and you're in the way. Yeah. You know, like, and sometimes I feel bad when I'm driving around. And I, let's just say I go out and for like a few hours, I have no intention of ever pulling any, over anybody. Yeah. But I know that wherever that car goes is causing stress with people. And I kind of feel bad about that. I wish there was like a light or a button mm-hmm. or something that says like, chill, like it's all good, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Go about your day, I'm all good. Like, not interested. But that's not that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times, the presence of the of a car um, deters the actual bad guys, yeah. not the good guys that are worried about uh, signaling. You know, that's that's not necessarily um, uh, uh, that big of a deal. Unless you get pulled over by a motorcycle officer, then you might have an issue, right? Because that's their job to write those tickets. Yeah. But a lot of times, when I'm driving. Um, Helicopter. Yeah, I'm watching what they're doing. They're probably just going to check out the scenery. <laughs> it's a beautiful flight. I've been the helicopters up here along the bluffs. And oh, the I bet it's, it's nice. It's so cool. I bet it's nice. So uh, a lot of times when I'm driving in the car and actually trying to go somewhere, right? Let's just, say, let's just say your wife is calling for help, and I don't necessarily want to go with lights and sirens. Like We call it Code 3, right? It makes yeah. a lot of noise. Sometimes the bad guys hear it and, and it makes them flee or whatever. But let's just say I'm trying to get there kind of quickly. And then somebody in front of me is like completely worried about yeah. every single vehicle code known to man. And so they're driving 12 miles an hour. <laughs> they're stopping at a stop sign for seven and a half seconds, <laughs> turning their head left, turning their head right. Now they're going to turn all the way around and make sure, is it safe for me to proceed? Look at me. Look at my head turning off. So yeah. I completely stopped. And then driving. Most, sometimes I'm like, I don't care. Please move. Drive fast. Yeah. Get out of the way. There is that component as right. well to that, to that officer that's trying to respond to go help somebody. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Yeah, it's just an interesting thing, man, the whole, the whole traffic thing. So, and then, then the, the, the cameras in your face, because yeah. I see YouTube videos. I used to watch YouTube videos. And I used to like them. Watching, I like, it's entertaining for me yeah. to watch these cops getting frustrated through little knobheads with the phone, which most of the time they're provoking the cops yeah. to... to to get a reaction out of them so they've got this video that's going to go viral and they're going to get mm-hmm. loads of hits. And, so a couple you know. things. Uh, when they were kind of new, I think, I think some officers would get frustrated or think that they're allowed to tell somebody that they can't film in public, which yeah. is incorrect. Like if somebody wants to film, cool. Like get my good angle, you know? Yeah. Um, it must uh, be frustrating if someone pulls down and just like nah, in you your know, face. Like this. Yeah, I mean, if they get, obviously you get a little too close and then we can, we can move them back if yeah. they're... T- directly in our face uh but a couple things and and one of the components of the law enforcement code of ethics is is uh uh, having courageous calm in the face of danger scorn or ridicule so it doesn't matter what we are going through we have to have courageous calm right whether it's somebody screaming at us that's upset about their parking ticket or cell phone or whatever the case may be where we kind of mess up is when we allow the natural human emotion of ego 
to yeah. come up, yeah. which is something that is is really hard to fight sometimes. Yeah. And in fact, we do this a uh, community like citizens academy thing where we put like a normal per- people through scenarios, and almost one hundred percent of the time, they are the most violent people ever. I bet because they don't like they're like oh that's it they're yelling screaming you can't feel me they shoot everybody because <laughs> uh, they don't necessarily have the training. So what I'm saying it takes courageous calm now. The cell phone thing has gotten uh, like a little out of control in certain circumstances. Um, like one, if an officer is like struggling with somebody, we don't need to have a b- twelve able-bodied males pulling their phone out just to film yeah. it. Like, help. Yeah. Like he, that might be a pedophile that that officer is trying to take into custody for sexually assaulting a ten-year-old. Yeah. You don't know. If you don't want to help, cool, fine. Find somebody that will help. Right. Um, but it, sometimes it disgusts me, man, because, again, generally where we go, it's somebody else's worst day of their life that doesn't need to be filmed by a bunch of people and put in the public's eye. Yeah. That part of makes me mad. Um, Is this I, all the time as well? Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah, happens a lot. Oh, it depends on the level. Like, yeah. You know. So uh, here's an example. I had this call... You know, this, this, this 15-year-old kid was messing around with some drugs, got way too high, ended up jumping off a third-story um, balcony. Oh. And he landed right in this courtyard full of people. And this poor guy is like, he's just there trying to survive. He's bloody, you know, and, and there's, people are freaking out. I walk in, and again, like, of course, we're going to respond. And we get there. And it's not because it's not because we're law enforcement that we're helping that guy try and survive. It's because of people we are. Yeah. Like if I was dressed or not dressed, I would have done what I could to help that kid. Yeah. I would not have been like, oh my gosh, let me get my phone out and film this. Yeah. And so our guys got there and did everything they could to try and help this kid. And I get, I was like, I don't know, probably the fifth person there. I walk in and I just look all around, man. There's guys on balconies. I counted like 12 phones. Nobody helping. Wow. And so it's stuff like that. That's where I get frustrated with it. I'm like, this particular incident is going to completely affect this family, potentially for generations. Yeah, forever. Like it's, and you're sitting there being selfish filming it so you get some hits or be able to sell it, like, or try and catch a law enforcement doing something they shouldn't do. It's like yeah. the sensitivity level there is where I get upset. Right. But that's their right. Do you ever get it when you approach someone in the street or like say you get a call, you're at Starbucks, people's fighting the person who you're talking to will pull their phone out and put yeah. it in your face? Like, I don't mind it. Right. I mean, do you, do you, get, do you get trained on that? Do, you get, do they pull you together and say, listen, you've got to calm down? Because that, to, like you said, a, a civilian, mm-hmm. that would be really frustrating. It would be to me if someone pulls the phone out and it's like you know like I was I was driving up Santa Monica the other, the other week and there was a cyclist just taking his time he's in right in front of us and these cyclists I talk about this in the podcast I don't know if you've noticed these are the hardest fucking men in the world the the thing the, the thing yeah, the yeah. rocky anyway so the driver and he's just taking his time so slow and I'm like beat me on come on man move along like the road's empty let us pass and he's like so I beat me on again. Now I'm just making, I'm fun. Beep, beep, beep. And then, then he gets his phone out of his pocket and he's, and he's videoing, and he's videoing me. And like that there, that was frustrating. Oh, you little, you little knob. So what, so here's an example. Right there, 
see how he started filming at that moment. Yeah. Now imagine at that moment, that's the moment that goes public. Yeah. That's what it's like for us. So yeah. it doesn't show that he was driving the street and you waited for a while. Yeah, and he's being it a doesn't dick. show that you yeah. like, try to do minimal. Hey, bro, can you just like scoot yeah. over? Oh, it's not working. You're waiting, waiting. And then it kind of es- it gets like, to the point the where you're like, fucking move. That's the, part, yeah. that's the part that a lot of times I see that they don't show about why law enforcement even got to that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, there's been several times. I spent like 10 minutes one time trying to talk some guy. At, like, can you, just, can you just get out of the bed of the truck and just come over here? Like, come on, please. Please. Just come over here. Like, no big deal. Just come over here. And it comes to a certain point where you, you have to kind of like stop asking. Yeah. Then you start telling. And then it comes to a certain point, unfortunately, they have to make. Because if we don't, then who is? And then someone pulls the phone out. Yeah, right exactly. That's right. Point. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's done this for nothing. He never yeah. even warned us. But yeah. yeah. That's how, but that's how it is. It's always kind of like the late and it's not giving context. Yeah. But the phone thing, um, like, like we got this camera here and we're talking. It's not bothering me. Right. right? It'd be the same thing if, if, if this was a contact. Yeah, now, the, yeah, the party to... gets in the way is a lot of times you know, people are, will call their lawyer and have their lawyer sit there or their mom. Yeah. The only part that gets annoying to me is if that becomes uh, something that they're talking to. So let's say you have your phone out right here and you're talking to them instead of like, can you, can you talk to me yeah. for a second? Like right. you can film this, but I, listen to me, yeah. talk to me. If yeah. it becomes a, uh, something that's getting in the way of the conversation, that's a little frustrating. Yeah. But. I, was, I was for them to show what they want. You, you've heard of J.K. Rowling, the, yep. the, the lady who wrote a Harry Potter book. She posted a video of Donald Trump uh, when he's meeting this family and there's a person in the wheelchair and he walks past the person in the wheelchair and they're putting the hand out and the person, the wheel, it's a kid, they're really excited to meet him. But you post a video where he walks past them and he ignores them and he talks to everyone else. Then he walks away. And she's like, Donald Trump, whatever she said, he's a prick. He's ignoring this little kid in the wheelchair. And this, this, this video got like 10,000 retweets and, and everyone commenting and, and uh, saying Donald Trump, Trump's a prick. I can't believe he would do this to a little kid. The poor kid wanted yeah. to meet him, obviously. Then it came out a few days later, the video, the, the real video, where Donald Trump walked up to that kid first Spoke, spent lots of time with the kid, taught them, yeah. picked them up and gave them a hug and was the nicest person ever. And then he moved on. But that bit got cut off, right? Yeah. Then J.K. Rowling put an apology tweet out that got like 500 retweets. No one's bothered about their apology. But now these 10,000 people, but these millions of people have seen this small clip. Now Donald Trump's a prick. No one's bothered about their apology. No. And this kind of sounds like what we're seeing about the, the police. Yeah, they'll cut the beginning bit off. They'll put the shit out there. That's the only bit that people's interested in. Because hey, you, you know more yeah. than anyone, people, people love the drama. People yeah. want the drama. Yeah, there is that component of, of again, people also have, their, have made up their minds already. And if yes. they see something that yeah. fits, fits their decision or fits yeah, their narrative, totally. then super, yeah, we're going to... Sh- I mean... I've seen stuff shared with Obama when he walked by Marine at Air Force One and didn't salute him. Just that little, right. he's probably saluted that guy and spent like, like, I don't know, thousand, every time he gets on there and that one little second, wait a second, he forgot, he didn't get that guy. Oh yeah, it's a clip uh, yeah. put on the internet and millions of people. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's going to fit somebody's narrative. Now, yeah. again, I keep talking about like the actual reality, the, the actual nitty gritty, ugly and beautiful world of reality then they have the virtual, yeah. the virtual electronic on your screen narrative 
drama reality TV show stuff. Right. So that's kind of like, and so with, with law enforcement, and sometimes we get frustrated with this, um, that, cause we see everything, you know, right. it's not like, it's not like we don't have social media and ability to look like, it's not like we go to, it's not like we go to work and then we go back to our, our, um, you know, lab and go to sleep. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we see stuff and, you know, we're not necessarily in the business of PR. We're not yeah. in the business of like, oh gosh, okay, what do we, how, we need to come up with our response and marketing scheme now. Yeah. Like we're too busy actually doing work. Yeah. And it gets frustrating for us sometimes. We're like, no, that's not true. And we want to like clarify, we want to explain ourselves. But there's such a, um, you know, I don't want to say a high critique, but there's, there's also rules against us doing that stuff and, and, and how involved we are representing um, particular cases and our agency and stuff like that on the internet. Right. As opposed to, man, it's like, it's like this really good, uh, um, I think it's Marcus Aurelius quote. He says, you know, stop arguing what a good man should be and be one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, I love that. Yeah. It's that, I mean, yeah, that, that's what we do. We, we, as humans, I think we, we complain about, about everything and we're not even doing that shit ourselves. You know, we complain about him. He's doing this. He should be doing that. But we're not doing it ourselves. Yeah, that's why I like yeah. the, the little the poem, uh, Man in the Arena. Like, the man that's actually in the arena with dirt and sweat and blood, you shouldn't be critiquing that guy from the outside if you're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, like be part of the solution. Help. Right. I was a guest on a podcast yesterday and, and asked us a question, what do I think about these, this is what reminds us of that, is these people who say, oh, I'd fight Mike Tyson for $10 million. I'd get in there with him. You know, and I laugh because we get it all the time. What? Conor McGregor's getting a hundred million to, to fight me with that? I would do that. I would do that. All right, yeah, you would. But would you fight as a 10-year-old in a smoky pub in front of 300 people and get beat up? Would you do that over and over and over and over again consistently for 20 years before you can get that point, you know? Yep. And I think... Uh, yeah, people, uh, and then they'll be like, well, he needs to throw his job more, he needs to do this more, he needs to do that more. We call them, uh, we call them, uh, well, keyboard warriors or armchair warriors, oh, yeah. you know? Sa- yeah, I mean, yeah. same thing with boxing. Like, somebody that's never thrown a punch or gotten hit or are, are experts on the internet. Yeah. Because they listen to other people and then they just regurgitate information. Mm. And that was, for me, one of the hardest lessons as a, as a professional boxer, uh, getting criticism like that because we never got trained in that I guess the same with police or maybe maybe it did but we didn't get trained in by the way if you don't perform really well you're going to get a, a thousand people telling you you're shit at your job you know and I got that I was in a I was in one, one of my 10 pro fights I've, I fought I fought a guy um, a tough journeyman and I didn't want to fight it was going to be my first eight round fight I had injury eight weeks before the fight and I told me promoter I said I'm not fighting taking this fight because uh, I'm, I'm injured I can't spar I've never fought eight rounds before it'll be my first time he said no Tony we need you we need you to sell a ticket so well I'm not fighting now I've never done eight rounds before alright well we'll knock the fight down to six rounds and I was like oh, but I don't come on Tony we need you he said six round fight you'll be able to get back for the fight so anyway so I get to the fight I fight him after six rounds I'm a uh, I'm like, I'm, I, think I've, I think I've won four of the rounds. We've drew one and he's yeah. got one round. So after, after six rounds, I went to the referee from to raise my hand and the referee went, whoa, we've got two rounds left. I was like, what? 
I was exhausted. <laughs> it's like, imagine if you ran a six mile run, the last mile, you put 100% effort in, then you get the finish line to fall down. Now you've got two more, la- la- round, uh, two more miles, get up, run. And it broke my heart. So I've done another two rounds and I got beat up in them two rounds. I ended up drawing the fight. But after that fight, I got so much criticism, like ridiculous, like thousands of people telling us, you're shit, you're not going to go anywhere, you're crap. And that broke me out, made us a stronger man than I am now. Uh, but it's just kind of like anything, like if someone says, Scott, you're a crap police officer, you're shit, are you a police officer? You know you're not, you know you're really good, but then you're getting a thousand people telling you that all the time. You're shit, you're shit. And something that you've put your life into, and something that you, it, it brings you down, you know? Um, and I can't remember what I was, the point I was getting at with this now, but yeah, I mean, that there was the, the toughest thing for me. Is that, do you get that with, with police? Like, do they tell you? You're going to get shit. Well, You're going to get criticized. Oh, um, well, yeah. I mean, you kind of know going in, but it's also not um, the, the ability to, like, to keep doing good. Like, yeah. if you, like, do good. Keep doing good. Do your best. Do good. It doesn't matter what the chit-chat is if you're doing good. And you know you're doing good. And the yeah. people that you're helping know that. And they're grateful for it. Mm. Um, plus, there's also the ability of like being 100%. It comes to training. comes to like knowing your stuff. Being completely prepared yeah. for that. Whatever you do see, you're, you're, you're ready for, for it. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that, that, that you being super tired and then having two more rounds because you thought you were done. I think that's an awesome uh, training tool. Like you, you have a workout. Let's just say at your gym, you have a workout, and everyone kind of knows what the workout is. Yeah. And then it's over, and then you do more. You right, know, everyone yeah. doesn't know about it. I think there's yeah. a huge life lesson there. Like if you can stand up there and like give it your all, and then you think you have nothing left, and then figure out you can keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's tough. It made me. It definitely made me the man I am today. Like with with that, that was the hardest thing I've ever done uh, physically in my life uh, and then mentally with after um, Scott we're going to have to wrap this up now Ernie's dying to get away uh, <laughs> so Scott if people want to fight, I could talk about this shit all day you know with the, the police stuff uh, we'll get you on again and we'll, we'll do it all again I love it I, it's, you know what in fact I wasn't even planning on, on getting into this because there's so much yeah. other stuff that we can talk about you're a successful podcaster you've got all sorts of other shit going on but I've really enjoyed doing this and I've learned a lot and I'm sure you're the same when you get guests on your podcast. For me, it's one of the best things is is learning. Now, yeah. I, now, just after talking, you know, for what's it, 45 minutes, I've, I've got a, a different sort of respect for police officers. So well, thank great. you. If anyone can find, if wants to find out more about you or, or find you on social media, can you, where can they go? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I use, mainly use Instagram at one Scott McGee, like the number, the number one, not O-N-E, yeah. Scott McGee. Um, that's probably the best, the best place. Uh, I throw a lot of stuff up on there that, um, that I really actually, um, would like my kids to see when they turn 18. Yeah. So you've put, you, you post like really, you post really high quality pictures of your, of your kids and stuff. Yeah. Right. I take that, you know, the, the photos and what I say there, I, I take, I, I kind of take seriously, you know, yeah. cause like if something happens to me, that's going to be there for, for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And the little messages I like to leave behind. I'm not trying to necessarily take pictures of, you know, the awesome strawberry. And then the podcast, the Wadcast podcast. Yeah, Wadcast podcast. That's on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Yeah. And we'll put links to these in the show notes. So if you want to go to boxinglifepodcast.com forward slash 72, that's going to be the show notes for this podcast. We'll have uh, Scott's links to his Instagram and everything that we spoke about, the the web, the, the 
court case, like you said, people looking new and all that stuff. We'll put all that in there. Yes, thank you. Thanks, mate.